Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? Hey, it's me, Egbert. E-G-G-B-U-R-T. Check out my website at egbert.com. Now it's back to those two dudes who told me they would bring in big ratings. They better are their history. Here are Brad and John. And if there's anything we don't want to be right now is history, right, John? Absolutely not. We are the present and the future. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is the B and J Show. Brad and John. Let me try it one more time. BJshow.co. Did I get that right? You did. You're the one that organized the domain name, and you're the one that set everything up, and you got it right. I'm going to have to put that that uh, that right here in front of me. Um, one of my favorite movies, and there's all these little subtle things in, in this movie. One of my favorite movies is called Almost Famous. Have you ever seen Almost Famous before? You're going to kill me, Brad. I have not. Okay. You need to go see the movie. You would enjoy the movie. Well, maybe you wouldn't. It's, it's, it's <laughs> essentially- Is it a rom-com? One, yeah, it is. But you know who, you know who Cameron Crowe is? You know who Cameron Crowe is? Yeah, I do know who Cameron Okay. Crow. This is semi-autobiographical because, I don't know if you know this or not, when Cameron Crowe was in his teens- he got a job with, with Rolling Stone magazine, and he was, like, touring with groups. Like, I think he toured with Led Zeppelin and things like that, okay? So this is a story about a young kid at the time. I think he was 15 or 16 who essentially uh, talked his way uh, uh, with Rolling Stone magazine into going on the road with a fictitious group called Stillwater and following them around the country. And it's 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 there's some classic moments in this movie. And it what's interesting is... It is so true to to what to, to form, and it's got some great uh, performances. The guy, the guy who I think absolutely posit- positively steals the movie, and quite honestly, I think every movie I've ever seen the guy in steals the movie, and it's so sad he killed himself. Is Phil, uh, what Philip Seymour Hoffman is that his name? Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Psh. And and what I was getting to, there's a classic scene in this movie where, and what's in, really interesting is because because. Um, Cameron Crowe at the time was was married to one of the Hart sisters, Anne and Mary Wilson. I think it was Anne Wilson. You know who you know who I'm talking about? Hart, the group from from the band Hart. Yeah, yeah the band. There's two sisters, yeah. Anne and Mary Hart, Anne and Mary Wilson. Okay, and she was good friends with Peter Frampton. You know who Peter Frampton is, oh, right? Oh yeah, wasn't he a big pothead? I know he was the guy. Frampton comes alive. The big live album is that. Is this does predate you, John? Yeah, but but wasn't he like? I mean, he was kind of a counterculture guy, like a hippie guy, wasn't he? Aren't they all from that era? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, mean, I associate on. it with a Mitch Hedberg joke about uh, smoking hey. marijuana, so that's why I said that. But go ahead. Back in the day, I was the only guy who didn't smoke dope. What are you talking about? Okay, there you go. So, and, and today, you and I are the only two that don't smoke. <laughs> yes. dope. Go ahead. So so the classic scene is, and what's interesting, they hired. Peter Frampton to choreograph the concert scenes. So in other words, he said, okay, this is the way oh, it's got to yeah, be. Okay. So there's a backstage shot of the group, and on one of the monitor speakers, which is you know on the ground, uh, on the stage, in front of the musicians, they don't use them anymore because everybody uses the, in, the, the in-ear headsets, but uh, on, on the back of one of the monitor speakers, so only the performers can see what it says, it's got in big letters, Wichita. 
So the idea being is... Oh, I've seen this clip, Brad. Yes. The guys would say, hey, we love you, Wichita, because (laughs) the idea being is they're on the road and they're so stoned out of their minds for the most part that they don't know where they're at. They just get up on stage. And matter of fact, I think that's happened here in St. Louis a few times where the guys have gotten on stage, hey, I love you, Chicago. You know, hey, you're in St. Louis. Absolutely not. Hey, Green Bay. (laughs) Right, they're not in Green Bay. Bay. So that's one of the subtle little things because of the fact that a friend of mine who used to work for Contemporary Productions told the story that a lot of these groups, and at the time, these were groups now that would consider to be like, you know, huge artists that you hear all day long, like on, on you know, like on KC95 and things right. like that, that he said that when they had interactions with the groups, some of these guys didn't know what planet they were on. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were, you know, it wasn't what city they were in. It oh, was I what bet. planet they were on. And, you know, it's sort of interesting because, because it's sad when you have someone who has an addiction that so much takes over their life. But I've, I've several friends of mine who are alcoholics and, you know, I mean, that sounds weird that I say that. Um, and I'm always, hey, fast- we, we all do Brad, whether we know it or not, right, we yeah, know people that are alcoholics, probably right. so. And my one friend always referred to the fact that when he talked about his alcoholic friends, that they're functional alcoholics. You so they, like they hold a job, they have a family, you wouldn't, they can go to the supermarket and buy groceries. Right, right. And and they can go out to lunch and slam down a, you know, a, a couple fingers of Jack, Jack Daniels and go back into work and nobody knows any difference. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because, they do a great job hiding it and acting normal. Well, but their body has gotten so acclimated to the, to the alcohol that they can, for the most part, function. And I'm yeah. going, wow, yeah. that's kind of scary. You know what I'm that saying? Is, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, we were gonna. What were we gonna talk about? Which I got. Oh, Will Sharf. Okay, Will Sharf. Okay, he he was. I, okay, tell me the story. I I heard it before. He met Trump at like an event or something like, wasn't it? Well, as he explained it yesterday, and the timestamp was on my website today. But he mentioned, and I, you know what, Brian? I think this could be a possible as you as you enter the nineteenth. Uh, stage of your career, um, this could be this could be a, a model for you. But he said, you know, he had done a lot of writing about Trump's cases and things like that. And members of the Trump team, he got and through that he got to know members of the Trump team. Now remember, Will Sharf came into this whole this whole arena with quite a pedigree. He went to Princeton. He got his uh, law degree from Harvard. So it's not like he didn't know anybody. So he he obviously knew folks in a lot of these circles. But by establishing himself as, and I'm going to use a corporate term here, Brad, as an SME, a subject matter expert, by establishing himself as an SME on some of these presidential and federal type cases, folks from the Trump team, as he explains, had reached out to him. And then, according to Will, the president himself wanted to to talk to Will about it. And uh, the, the highlight of the interview, I think is that Will talks about how an editorial cartoon, uh, one of these courtroom sketch artists, I started to call it an editorial cartoonist, a courtroom sketch artist drew a picture of him, and Will, who has a a great self-deprecating sense of humor, posted it on his Instagram. And Will's like, well, they got the receding hairline right, but it looks like they added about 100 pounds. Well, And Annie Fry pointed out that in 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 the courtroom sketch, Trump is leaning into Will and telling and looking at Will and talking to Will. And so take a step back here, Brad. In a Republican primary, you don't want any – nothing can top being pictured or depicted next to Donald Trump. 
So, in other words, you say it's all positive, correct? Absolutely. Right, right. It if, doesn't matter if they drew Will completely bald and 400 pounds. Like, he gets the rub from being by Donald Trump. Well, okay. Yesterday, I heard this live where Trump is still fighting this case in New York where Letitia James, the attorney general who campaigned on, I mean, literally, you can go back and find commercials and speeches where she comes out and she says, and if I'm elected attorney general, I will throw Donald Trump in jail. For sure. I'm going like, okay. He came out and did a press conference at one of his buildings on purpose. He testified, I guess, that was that was yesterday, I guess it was. He testified in the morning, and he did a press conference, which, by the way, the judge chastised him because the judge had a gag order on, on him. And if you know the background of this crazy case he's involved in in, in in New York right now, if you would take AOC or, you know, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris and inject them with sodium pentothal, where they had to tell the truth, even they would say that this case against Trump in New York is just bogus BS. Right. And it's an ordinance which has never been, our our state law, which has never been enforced. And essentially, it's like a consumer protection ordinance. And what it is, is they're claiming that Donald Trump... Uh, you know, uh, essentially overvalued all his property and essentially screwed the banks and screwed the lenders and things like that. Which would be considered fraud. But the problem is none of the banks are complaining. And the banks are saying, hey, man, we wish we had more customers like him. You mentioned that last week or like the week before. Yeah, the banks have no issue with it. The banks have no issue with it. And matter of fact, what's interesting about this is if you've ever bought any real estate, and matter of fact, if we get a real estate edge in on here, I have guy, uh, Mark, uh, what's his name, Mike Swearing Jim. Um, Is who, he part of the Ellis? Family? No, 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 no. Oh, he's, okay. he's, he's much better than them. Um, <laughs> if And Mike, was a, wasn't he a podcast guest, or am I making that up? Yes, he was a podcast guest. Yeah, yes, okay. okay. Yeah, uh, and, and like, for example... The thing is that, like, if you go to somebody's house and, it, like, like he talks about this all the time, that he would go to somebody's house that they want to list their house, and they would, he would say, well, uh, what do you think your house is worth? Well, it's worth $900,000. And he would say, uh, maybe about four fifty, maybe 500 for a portion. Yeah. Okay. The idea being is before the bank's going to lend any money, they're not going to let the homeowner come in and say, yeah, my house is worth $900,000. That would be the definition of self-dealing. They're going to have an appraiser come out and say, the house is worth X. And what's interesting is, you know from a comms guy perspective, that that there's all these, you know, like, for for example, anytime you would give out uh, in your comms day, I don't know if you were the person to doing this, but it, when the Monsanto stock report would come out, where they would give the official, here's how Monsanto stock's done. Here's our EBITDA. Here's and, our, yep. Right. It, 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 for example, you just mentioned EBITDA, right? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Did you call it EBITDA or how to pronounce Yeah, EBITDA. That? EBITDA, which essentially stands for, go ahead and you, you know right off the top of your head. Uh, interest before, ta- is it before tax deductions and in- interest before earnings before interest, uh, the depreciation is in there somewhere. Right, right, right. Essentially what it is, is it's Intre- like, hold on. Uh, you're going to look I it up. Ju- it's it's look, earnings uh, before interest, interest before earnings before interest taxes, depreciation and amortization. Right. So amortization 
is how much that it depreciates or just goes away, just vaporizes. And it all, almost always, the report ends with the statement that these are forward-looking numbers, right? If, yep. they're, if they're saying, mm-hmm. like, next quarter, we're going to do $33 billion. And they can't be held accountable. Right. right. And essentially, you throw the disclaimer in there that you're essentially saying, hey, you know what? We put our finger in the air, and we said the wind was blowing from the west, and... So we're saying that next quarter, the wind's going to blow from the east, and but yep. yet if you come back and say, well, last quarter, you said, we said, hey, these are forward-looking numbers. Yes, yes, yes exactly. That's what I read this. I read the actual disclaimer that Trump put on all of his properties when they went to the bank, and they're essentially saying, you know, hey, here's blah, 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 blah. And that, see, the other crazy thing about it is he gets into a fight with the judge in the case and the judge tells him, and I'm not making this up, the judge says, you've got Mar-a-Lago, uh, you know, tremendously overvalued. That's only worth $18 million, okay? There's a story I read the other day that somebody bought two acres of undeveloped land in Palm Beach, where Mar-a-Lago is and all the other fancy people is, two acres for like $100 million. Yeah. Okay, and Mar-a-Lago, if you know the history, Mar-a-Lago was built by one of the, the big industrialists. I can't remember who it was. And Trump bought it. Oh, I didn't it. know that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, and, been, to, I've been to West Palm. Well, even to the point where there's art. Uh, see, see I, I read all this. I go down these rabbit holes, okay? There's this crazy story about Trump's sister who was a judge. Did you know that she was a judge, a, a federal judge? Did you know that? Mm-mm, I don't remember that. Yeah, she was a federal judge. She retired. She bought a house down the street. I think it might even be across the street from Mar-a-Lago. And the Trump organization bought it from her, I think, when she was getting up there <laughs> up there in years. And, and she knew that, you know, I think she had some terminal disease. And she knew her life was not going to be too much longer. She, they bought the property from her, and the, just the property, which is only like a, you know, I see only, it's like 8,200 square foot. They call it a mansion, but it's 8,200 square feet. It's like nothing like Mar-a-Lago, okay? Right. It's on the market right now for $59 million. Yeah. So the judge said that the entire Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million, which is like, that's like, come on. Yeah, yeah. That would be like, you know, you know it, it's, it's to the point where I think to myself, man, I wish I had those kind of problems. You know what my kind of problem is? I get What's e- that? How, I how get... much bailing wire we can use to, to attach some of the wires? No, I get emails from Carvana because one time I took my car in. I get I got one the other day. I swear to God, I should show you this. this is funny. I went to one time, my one car there, maybe Carvana or no, it was it was either Carvana or it was What's the other big one? CarMax. Uh, no, it was CarMax. Oh, CarMax. Okay. I went to CarMax and had the guy evaluate my car that I'm driving today. And I got an a email in the mail just the other day, or email that said, you know, it says, good news, Brad. Your car has increased in value. Okay, you ready for this? <laughs> yeah, and I'm you, ready. You open up the email and it says, hey, Brad, you recently stopped by and had your car appraised at, our, at, at the CarMax in St. Peter's, and we gave you the evaluation of X. I won't say what it was. But now we're willing to pay $400 for your car. You're joking me. That's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, $400 for your car. So that's Hey, the... in this era when luxury <laughs> you look at luxury car sales, you look at new car sales, every, that's why companies like, hey, by the way, this is not financial advice and if if you want that, you should go to Mike McGee at Edward Jones. That's right. But that's why stocks like AutoZone as we as we continue to enter this down market, folks are not buying new cars. Folks are going to spend a little bit more on car repair. 
But the the interesting part of that is the used car market is not doing well as well as well either. It's a matter of fact. A matter of fact, and Carvana. There's a whole interesting story about Carvana. Carvana stock is in the toilet, but there's a whole crazy story about that. Matter of fact, it's 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 one of these. Matter of fact, all these little these useless tidbits of knowledge I have in the tip of my head. You know the guy that started a lot Life Lock. You know the the theft identity yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Did you know he was an ex con? <laughs> No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's you know what that make that should make him an expert. Yes. The guys in jail are the ones. If you if you think you know how to take care of your identity, talk to the guys in jail who got nailed for you know uh, you know forging checks and stuff like. It's like it's like the guy who was the uh, who was the guy that was the became the 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 um, uh, focus of the movie. Um, uh, with uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know who the oh, guy. Oh uh, yeah. Um, God, what was his name? Um, the real uh, yeah. reclusive guy. Gosh. Well, well, no, we no, could no. Google it. No, no. He now he goes. He used to go and do a talk shows all the time. And he, I think, at one point in time, he actually worked for the FBI for you know for fraud detection and things like that. You know, the guy that pretended to be a pilot. Not yes, up in the air. yes, yes. He forged yeah. checks and all sorts of oh, crazy stuff. Oh, catch me stuff. if you can. Yes, was the name catch of it. me if you can. It. Yes, I can't remember uh, the guy's. Catch me re- if you can. Wow. Brad, that movie is 22 years old. God, hard to believe. And you know, I've never seen it. Can you believe that? I've never seen it. (laughs) It I've never seen it either. Okay, Um, we have to take a break. uh, By Frank Abagnale. That's right. Frank Abagnale. Yes, yes. I've never seen it. Yeah, interesting. He used to be a talk show host guest all the time. I used to see him on all the talk shows. When that movie came out, he was on Jay Leno, and he was here, and he was there. Wow. Very engaging guy. And you could could sort of believe, ah, yeah, I could believe this guy could walk into a room and tell everybody that he was, you know, a a, a Secret Service agent for the president. And And people would believe it, yeah. People go, oh, really? What's he like? Oh, he's a great guy. If you sell it right, you know. Right, right. 